you know, there are days where you just go through the motions. You get up in the morning, you go to work, you come back, feed the kids, put the kids to bed. Then you go to bed and start all over again. But then there are days, let me tell you something, there are days where you actually get to meet someone you've looked up to for many years. Today is one of those days because you know what? Today I actually get to sit down with the main man himself, Evil Ted, Ted Smith. That's right. Stay tuned, everybody, because this is going to be a good one. And here we go. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for uh, joining us back in Cosplay Alliance on uh, Beneath the Cow today. <laughs> you get to sit with the main man, Evil uh, Ted Smith. How you doing, Ted? I'm good. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. Hey, thanks for joining us. Um, Ted, before we get started, if uh, I'm grinning ear to ear um, during this <laughs> chat of ours, uh, I'm a huge fan uh, oh, of thank you. you. There's two people that have uh, not just influenced my cosplay, but basically taught me everything I know about, you know, prop making and foam work. And that's you and Bill Duran. Oh, uh, thank you. I, I've, I've, I can't tell you how many hours I've spent watching your videos and Bill's videos. Uh, <laughs> you guys are, for all intents and purposes, my Bill and Ted. Um, <laughs> we we, get, we get that a lot. We get that a lot. Bill I, I'm I. sure you do. I'm sure you do. Uh, tell everybody who's watching a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hi, guys. Uh, my name's Evil Ted. As it says right here from the Evil Ted channel, uh, I started in the movie industry. I was a young man living in St. Louis, Missouri, and I packed my bags and came out to California and started working in the movie industry. I started off doing, um, I had this crazy um, idea that I was going to be a makeup artist. Like, I loved like Fangoria magazine, and I loved like American World in London. And so I saw this stuff in the theater. I was like, oh my God. And, and of course, uh, Tom Savini had this great book called Grand Illusions. And uh, had like all these techniques, and I was like, "Oh, that's want to be on the makeup guy." So I come out the elevator, and I started working with people who really knew how to do makeup. I realized, mm -hmm. "Oh, wow, maybe that's not my like." I was so in I realized just working with these guys, I met some great people, and Steve Wang and Eddie Yang and Aaron Sims, and these guys who all worked the makeup industry at the time on big movies like uh, you know the, Steve's big film was uh, Invaders from Mars and stuff. So they worked on stuff, and I would worked with Steve on his, uh, the first movie I got to work with him on was the Giver, uh, was this, uh, action packed for all you guys out there, the, you know, the Giver fans know Giver, but, uh, um, I knew the animation, but they're doing a live action movie and I just got to work with everybody. And so I was thrown by these guys watching them sculpt and build. I'm like, okay, I'm not a, I'm not a makeup guy I was delusional at that time. And the one thing I learned really quickly was, um, the makeup guys couldn't really fabricate. They couldn't, they're like, mm -hmm. they're like, Hey Ted. Yeah. We, okay. Like I want this Giver unit, right? Like in the movie, there's this Giver unit. It turns the guy into the Giver. I'm like, okay. And he said, and I want to like a thing and it does this and this. I'm like, okay. Yeah. 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 Like I, I can do that. He's like, all right, run with it. So Steve, I look back. So on this hang now. on. So you made the Giver unit. Yes. I, I made the guy. I didn't realize unit. that. Um, so you the, were also in the Giver, weren't you? Didn't you have uh, part I, in the movie? <laughs> I played Striker, MC Striker, mm -hmm. which was JJ Walker, who played the human version. Uh, funny story was is that when we did the movie, um, I kind of got screwed by the uh, the the Screen Actors Guild, the union thing. I got I was Taft Hartley, they call that in the industry, where I got to be uh I got to be uh, a SAG actor. I got in joining got in the union, got like my SAG card. And uh, I got my my car because I played a gang member, Ronnie, and the guys in the alley that jump them. Right. And there's the funny guy with the nunchucks. Oh, that was you. That's me. So, <laughs> so I'm doing that bit, and they gave me I, – I was able to do dialogue. So by doing dialogue in a feature film, I got tapped Hartley, so I became SAG, where before I was just the guy in the suit. So then I got – so technically, I was supposed to get paid – the rate of actors to play striker. And of course they kind of overlooked that. So by, by them not doing it, they, um, they, uh, they, they just put me down as super former or something like that. I forgot what it was, but anyway, so I didn't get credit for that for years. Um, so 
when the movie came out and everything was great, there was a review. And my favorite thing is the, the review goes said they were really impressed with how JJ Walker performed in the suit. Ah, and it wasn't him at all. No, it was me. <laughs> That's so, hilarious. When I was young, I was like, dag nab. But when I got older, I kind of got over it. And then over the years, uh, on Facebook and in, you know, in my YouTube channel, people were like, wait a minute. So I was able to get the word out that people knew about Striker. But yeah, I got started and I was able to engineer stuff. And so Steve, that was one of the things that I was able to do really quickly. Like, he's like, I want this thing to pop open and I want tentacles to shoot out and this and that. I'm like, okay. And I engineered it and thought it all out and said, and I created the, and the gag. It's really, it's when you watch it in the film, it you know, pops open and the thing sinks in his head and the tickles go everything. Um, I did it all in reverse. So we actually made a puppet, made a cast of the actor with his mouth open. I made a puppet on his head, and the and the gag in the movie where uh, he's holding it and his head's rocking back and forth. That's my hands. My hands holding the. Uh, we had a puppet in the ground, and my hands holding it. And then they call action, and I would um they would uh, pull the cables in. I would close the panels, put the push the control metal forward, and put the hand on it. And when you play it in reverse, it just looked great. And uh, but that was the thing that I was good at. And so, like, it was like this weird thing to where um, if I found my groove, it was like I, I came out for one purpose and then found another purpose. So it's like that one thing I always tell people, like, the guys that want to do everything, like, you'd be amazed that there's some things that people do better than others, like I said. But I, I really picked up on that. And over the years, I learned working with materials and working with different materials and stuff like that. But it was like that's, that's how I kind of got my start. And that movie got me going. And from that point on, I went from – doing the Giver and then started doing miniatures. I was mm -hmm. years and years doing miniature. I think almost good 15 years doing model work, building miniatures. And we did uh, Titanic. Uh, my first thing I did was uh, the Miracle Landing was a uh, Connie Selica. It's a made for TV movie. Mm -hmm. And we built, uh, yeah, we built a cockpit of an airplane and, um, and the airplane it's, this is all based on a real uh, accident. It was, uh, they changed the name for the movie, but it was uh, Aloha uh, Aloha Airlines or something like that. They're flying to Hawaii, and the guy had the airplane up, and the top of the canopy of the airplane peeled open like a banana peel. It just went, oh. and and ready for this one casualty because everybody else was sitting out with their seatbelts. So a flight attendant went, she was gone, but everybody else was still in their chairs, and the plane. The guy dropped the altitude and kept the plane. Did have a plane? Yeah, and the plane was wasn't stable it was twisting awesome this guy like old school he bought the plane and landed with everybody on it oh so of course and they then, made, so you made the plane model basically yeah well me and a crew of people so i did that and then just was a miniature guy for years and uh i was kind of happy because i saw the writing on the wall i did fifth element i worked on fifth element and that was uh seven months of my life it was almost a solid year on that show and we were building miniatures for that movie and digital was uh was in the movie but we didn't People don't realize that when you watch that film, people think it was all CG and very little bit yeah, was. A lot of practical effects in the lot, movie. Lot, yeah, big models, big miniatures. Mm -hmm. uh, New York City, where the buildings are 20 feet tall. What they were doing digitally was putting like the cars in the background and and digitally placing elements. Like you'd shoot the model and the and the background and put them together digitally was was a lot more effective. We were doing that, and then they do a couple of digital things like smaller cars and stuff in the background. But a majority was all model work and. By the time we wrapped up on that film, I saw the writing on the wall. I was like, this digital is only going to get better. And it's like, because you saw what they were doing with Pirates. I had all my friends who were makeup artists. They saw Pirates of the Caribbean. And they saw Davy Jones with his squid face. They lost their minds. They're like, oh, my God, my career yeah, is over. Yeah, it was a game changer for yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I was in the theater. I'm like, that looks amazing. And then, of course, they did Planet of the Apes. Uh, Weta did. And that's mm -hmm. just breathtaking. And every year you see it gets better and better. So... But again, they still need makeup and they still need stuff. So, but I was like, eh, I wanted to get out of it. So I started falling back into costumes and props. And I ended up falling in this uh, company called HPR Hand Prop Room. And I did the rest of my career uh, was uh, props and costumes uh, and before I started the YouTube channel. So how did you get into foam? I mean, <laughs> you know, you've, you've made a career of being a foam smither. I mean, you sell templates, you have video series, you do live Twitch streams, you know, almost exclusively work with foam now. Yeah, I do. And what I'll, brought I'll, you to working with foam? Uh, I'll tell you what, a real big one was, uh, well, first of all, a big nod to Bill Duran because 
I saw Bill. What was so funny was I've been doing in the industry uh, basically what people do with foam. Uh, you cut it, you sand it, you glue it. But we were doing with uh, acrylic and Sintra and styrene and fiberglass and resins and casting so, and sculpting. So everything I was doing was on a professional industrial level. Um, so everything was toxic and expensive. And but I, that, that's how I was wired to do it for so long. And then um, it was like this kind of weird thing. Like I, I took a huge step backwards because I loved foam as a kid, but I never really got, was all, back then there was no EVA foam for us. It was all just upholstery foam. Right. And that's what you made monster suits out of. It was cool, but you couldn't make armor look, we'd make it and coat rubber on it. It looked okay. That's still a kind of textury. Uh, so I never was impressed by it. And it wasn't until I discovered like on MySpace, like, sorry guys, quote myself here dating myself that is uh i saw yaya han and then from yaya han all the people that follow her this cosplay thing and when i saw bill duran's video i'm like oh it's just the same thing but just using foam and what makes it great is that i literally had to re rewire my brain because uh when we make stuff for movies you have to make multiple so when we make something we make one mm -hmm. then we mold it then we cast copies. it right so we have to make the hero one they have to make the stunt rubber one and these guys light up. And so everything, you make a prop, you have, there's, there's always a catchphrase. If you have one, you have none. Because in the industry, there's so much stuff going on. You have to have multiples and stuff. And right. so that's, so if I realized, wait a minute, I can do this, make one, and make it for myself. I can make it out of foam. So I don't have to worry mm -hmm. about, about molding stuff. So it was this whole weird thing of like, so I got away from silicones and casting resins and molding and stuff. And I really got into foam. And so when I started my YouTube channel, my mission on my YouTube channel was everything I use in my videos, I want you guys to be able to pick up at a hardware store, a craft store, uh, or something down the, you know, like, or Michael's, you know, shop it, it without not breaking your pocketbook. And a lot of people, my friends, like I just recently hooked up with Matter Hackers and they gave me a 3D printer and I'm going to do some stuff with it, but I'll never go full board 3D printing because... I still want to show people that you don't need all these expensive equipment and casting resins and materials to make stuff. You just need a cutting mat, a sharp blade, foam and some glue and the sky's the limit. So, Oh, I can't hear you. Sorry about that. Did you uh, ever end up using foam on a professional level? Oh my goodness. That's a great story. Um, I was working at HPR, the hemp prop room. And I started with them um, like 2002 is when I started this company. And it's a prop house and it's a union prop house. And we work on TV shows and movies. And I'll tell you what, it was a neck break, neck breaking, fast paced production. And I was, you know, I kind of got off on it. I really liked it because it was, every day was a challenge. Like I'd wake up, punch in at seven o'clock. Ah, okay. This goes out Tuesday. We need this tomorrow. I'm like, ah. so you're just making stuff. And the biggest shows we were doing at the time was alias, mm -hmm. uh, Malcolm in the middle and, um, a couple shows, uh, rest of the rest of development. Um, and these are TV shows and the turnaround was so fast because they're shooting digital now. It's not film. So I think it was super fast. And they're shooting like an episode, Every, oh, what, yeah, four, like every four days? Like, yeah, like every week. It was ridiculous. And they would come in and go, we need this, this, and this. And, I, and I'd be like, when? they go, tomorrow. I'm like, ah. So I, it, and this is the funny thing. It took my while, it took me a while to convince my boss. Like there's a gag in Arrested Development uh, where this guy gets a, a patio brick, those big cement bricks, right? Dropped on his head. There's like, it needs to come in camera, hit him in the head and knock him out. And, and they're like, oh, my boss, Lonnie's freaking out because we have a patio brick mold, but you have to brush in urethane. And for the turnaround, it's gonna, it's not gonna be done in time. And I finally went, I can make it out of foam. I can make it out of upholstery foam, dude, in, like in a day. And they're like, Bruh. I can tell they're really hesitant. So I did it. I said, it's what I need. They went out and bought me upholstery foam, rubber latex, and I had like a craft knife. And I'm like, bang, bang, bang. And I think it's on my website. If you guys go to eviltedsmith.com, there's pictures on props I made, but I made it and it's foam. And it was like, I did it roughly, I think it was like about four hours. It was done. From the time I started, sealed, painted, and done. It went out the door in four hours. And it looked decent. I and mean, did the paint even have done a dry? Holy cow, oh, every, four yeah, hours. Dude. Well, it's, <laughs> in California, it was super hot. And yeah, the latex, too. Yeah, latex, you just brush it on, put it in the sun, boom, dried. So then they were like, okay, that looked pretty decent. 
and then um was gi joe that that gem of a movie um uh, oh, i didn't realize you worked on gi joe uh, dude here's the thing i worked on almost everything because we when the prop house things would run through but here's the thing i don't get credit for it because the prop master gets credit right the prop master calls my boss and goes ah, i need this by tomorrow he turns to us and goes we need hey guys we do this and we do it and then he pays us and he takes it and that's the biz it's like we don't get credit for that so yeah. um so what was happening in gi joe was they're freaking out because the baroness um takes a propane like those gas propane tanks and she rolls it down the street pulls her gun out <clears throat> the stuff these guys are chasing her and she yeah. explodes and everybody dives and they're freaking out because they're shooting in a, in a suburban neighborhood in the valley in Los Angeles. And they're like, we can't throw a propane tank down the street. We need a fake one. When? Tomorrow. Ah! So immediately I'm like, I can make a foam one. And my boss goes, but they need like two or three of them? Like tomorrow? I'm like, if you guys get the foam I need and do it now. They're like, uh, all right. And I can tell he was really nervous. They run out, they get the foam, and I'm building them, right? I'm just cutting and making these, making a big tube. And doing, and I even made like a little foam, make handles and stuff on it. So I'm cranking this thing out so fast. And it wasn't, Lonnie's like, we had to close up at five. And my boss goes, just take everything at home, finish it up, and keep track of your hours. I'm like, all right. So I do. I got my studio. I, do, I coat the whole thing with rubber. The cool thing was I didn't have to paint them. The, the prop department was going to paint them when they get on set. Right. So sure enough, I get three of them done. I go to work next day. They come up to pick them up, and the prop master called my boss, Lonnie, and said, man, thank you. They look awesome. And he said, thank you, Ted. I said, you're welcome. <laughs> and that, and the double, and then what happened was, it's a double-edged sword. But then it got to the point where they're like, they wouldn't, they wanted me to make everything out of foam. And it was, I was like, guys, wait, wait, stop, stop. Like, Yeah, some, not everything can be made out of foam. <laughs> there's some things we can do and some things we can, but I was fast. I got really good at it. And the one thing I have to, I really have to thank that company for is my, my foam skills. Uh, they pushed the envelope. It's like, because everything was so quickly. There's an old saying, necessity is the mother of invention. Mm -hmm. The turn was so fast that one of my favorite stories is that uh, it was uh, the TV show Mad Men. And yep. we, we propped that show a lot. And uh, the one thing we got was there's a, and I, I don't even know what episode. And I think my friend said you, you, it happened so fast, I don't even see it. But there's a, a tiki, a wooden tiki head. And this guy's like, oh, you, and they're having a fight in the office. The guy picks up a tiki head and throws it at the guy. So, of course, in Hollywood, you can't throw anything in actors. Everything has to be foam or stunt versions of things. So, sure enough, that a tiki head. And my boss, Lenny, was like, oh, we need this by tomorrow. Can we mold it? My buddy Chuck, my friend I worked with, was like, dude, Ted can make that out of foam. And lo and behold, I'm like, I'm up for the challenge. So what I did was, you guys, again, can go to my website. It's there. Um, I took the tiki head and I wrapped it in paper really tight, taped it, took a, a pencil, and I burnished it so I could get all the tiki detail on it, unrolled, uh. unrolled it, took a piece of foam, EVA foam, stacked it, ground it into a belt sander and got the same diameter as the tiki idol wrapped it and then took a sharpie and poked the paper so i could make the template directly on that took a sharp razor knife and just literally carved into the foam like the tiki idol and then sealed it and painted it to match the wooden one and it's like and again in a day <laughs> i mean that's the thing when you're working on on tv shows and movies yeah. and such the turnaround has to be crazy crazy yeah crazy. And, it, and i'll tell you what i looked back and it was and it was a drill it was like you're like yeah and and of course you're like it's you're like yeah woo, and there's no pat on the back or job well done. You're just like all right, thanks, Dad. Tomorrow, you know. Yeah, I mean, at a certain point, I feel like you know we know you're not getting a pat on the back, but when you watch <laughs> that movie and you see that prop that you know you made, yeah, it, there's a pride factor there, whether you get the pat on the back or not. True, there's gotta but be that pride factor there that knowing, hey, I'm the one that made this. There's a going joke, and I always tell people uh, that uh, people like, oh, you know, do you ever like keep a prop or own like do you ever have props or keep? And when I make something, once it leaves the shop, it's not ours anymore. And it's like, mm -hmm. and the thing is funny is that GI Joe, that propane tank, I got cut out of the film. They didn't even use it. Um, <laughs> so, and again, the Tiki Adol, I you barely see. It. I think if you throw, it, it's like a blur. Um, but it's just this is the biz. It's what we're used to. Um, but 
uh, uh, yeah, the thing I think the thing that bothers me most is when you if you build something, it just never gets they never use it or mm. it doesn't get shot. But um, the fact is just that once it's done, it leaves the shop. It's not yours anymore. Now it's like that's and and here's the thing about it. I don't want it. I don't miss it. It's like I really is a weird thing about like people like no matter how good I work on something, if it's cool and it's all done. Once it like my job is done, like it's ta-da, and they like it, and, they, and it leaves, and then it's like that's that's my satisfaction. They're happy. We're um, happy. you know, progressing through the business, um, you know, moving from like you said, starting as a makeup or trying makeup, and then moving more into props, <laughs> Desper- and then desperately trying was so sad. <laughs> uh, were there any? I mean, I'm sure there were people that you would look up to back then that you said oh, well, these are the people that. Are my inspiration people that you know I look up to? Uh, did you get to work with any of those people over your career? Uh, yes, briefly. Um, my big hero is James Cameron, and I think what I like about that guy, um, and I like him even more. I learn about him, and everything they say about him being really tough on people—that's all true. Mm-hmm. I mean, that definitely is because he's—he has a—he kind of has a. I, his problem is he wants everybody to be as good as fast as he is, and when somebody falls short of that, he just loses it. And which I'm always like, yeah, Jim, but that's why there's only one of you. So it's like, it's that kind of thing where you have to, <laughs> you have to choose your battles. Um, but uh, he, what, how I, I like, cause Jim, everybody likes Jim Cameron, all the movies he did. But as the years went on, I started learning more about his career. I had to go back. I'm like, wait a minute. He made that. Like there's films that I loved and I always had this, uh, like the, I always something that stood out about how he made them. So you, I finally realized is because they were Jim Cameron projects. Um, uh, Roger Corman did this movie called Battle Beyond the Stars, yes. and it was yeah, it was Roger Corman's ripoff of Star Wars. Like it was like he won that yes. Star Wars is big, and so he did. Um, literally, um, the sets, production designs, uh, matte paintings, a lot of that was Jim. Jim was one of the main model makers on it with the Scotech brothers, and he was art department. And Jim really kind of oversaw some of the sets and the building and art direction. Like mm. he really made that. Um, show come to life uh and i'm like because when i was a kid I'm like wow this is this doesn't look like any other Car- corman movie that's because it was jim cameron and then there's another low budget alien ripoff movie i love called galaxy of terror and again trust me it's on dvd they finally released it it's uh, i think it's on blue right now um i was with my friends and we saw a trailer for him like oh this looks really schlocky let's go see it we sat in the theater and i was like whoa this is incredible Costumes, production design, sets. Oh, yeah. Very much an alien ripoff. That's hilarious. Yeah, big alien ripoff. And sure enough, James Cameron, art director, set designer, uh, weapons, costumes, props. He's like, he oversaw everything. And again, I didn't know any of this as a kid growing up. I just loved all this stuff. And then as I saw Jim Cameron, director, and started doing more research on the guy, it all came back to where I'm like, this guy started at the bottom and he worked with Roger Corman. He learned Mm -hmm. how to do and I finally rented those things called Masterclass. You ever see those video th- ads for like Masterclass? You can talk, you can, basically it's, it's uh, there's musicians, writers, composers, dancers, you name it. And they're all like primo people mm-hmm. and you join Masterclass and they do a video class. They basically break down things down. And so sure enough, James Cameron joined it. And I was like, oh my God. So I joined Masterclass just to hear that guy talk about filmmaking. And it was breathtaking. I was so blown away at some of the things he talked about. I was just like, wow, it's so cool. So yeah, it's one of my heroes. And I worked with him on a, a T2 3D, the ride at Universal, which is completely gone now. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, if you guys, if anybody hasn't experienced that, what it was, it was like, a, it was a theme park. It was at Universal City. And it was like, you. the whole gag of the ride is you walk into this building, which was Cyberdyne. And you're going to Cyberdyne, and they're giving you a tour of the complex. And this is a big arena screen. They're going to show you the new robotics and stuff. And they had this big stage. And, and of course, there's the explosion. And John and Sarah Connor come through time with, with, the, with Terminator. And it's all interactive live audience. And they're robots. And you're in this giant wraparound screen with 3D glasses. And it's all just, like, super cool. Anyway, so I worked on that with, at the company Digital Domain. And we built a bunch of robots. And we built gags and some... Um, some uh, there's these flying like little flying uh, hunter killers. They look, they look like frisbees, but they're yeah, little, yeah, yeah. 
little flying drones. And so we had to make mm -hmm. those. We built those. And sure enough, James came through to check out things and talk. And I go, oh, get to meet him briefly just for two seconds. Didn't really, I didn't get the fangirl and he just saw me talk to us and we listened and he left. And years later, I worked with him on Titanic. So I was one of the model makers on Titanic. And that was another a great experience. So, I mean, you've worked on so many different projects now from movies to, you know, projects you did with professional cosplayers. There's got to be other people that you've worked with that have caused great stories or great experiences or, or, or moments that, you know, you just will never forget. Um, I think with um, I like meeting filmmakers. I, I, I like meeting um, mm -hmm. cosplayers. I went to Germany and I finally got to meet Kamui Cosplay briefly. Mm -hmm. uh, and she had a booth next to us at... Um, I think it was called Epicon. It was my first time being in Germany. And um, she was um, been doing it far longer than I have. Um, it's her um, focus and work ethic. It's just like, and my friends always team that's because they're German said they're all like super focused and detail oriented. And like, uh, and to see her books and to see how she runs her stuff and see how clean her work is up close. Maybe kind of go, Oh, like I built for fun, but it's some, like I was so, when I work at the prop house, everything had to be so freaking perfect all the time. It was a little bit stressful. And then I got away from that. And what what got me back, what we got what got me into cosplay is it took me back to the days when I started when it was fun. And when you do it for almost 30 years, you know, at a neck breaking pace for movies and television shows, the fun kind of got sucked out of it. And mm -hmm. cosplay brought the fun back. So when I build stuff. I'm not so super focused. Oh, it's gotta be perfect. Like, nah, it's, it's just it needs to look good, or it needs, it's like it needs to be fun. And if I have time, I'll put a little more thing in. I think the hardest thing I ever built was like the uh, the pulse rifles. Like when I uh, ended up making um, love the movie Aliens with the M41A pulse rifle. So I wanted to make a foam one. And uh, what started the whole thing was I bought an airsoft replica of one. It showed up to my house and waited time and shot BBs, but I couldn't take it to a con. And, but I could, but I could, cause it was so hard to get good pictures of that gun. I mean, it's so funny. You can see it, it's everywhere now, but when I was looking for it at the time, it's so hard. And so when the airsoft showed up, I was looking at it, like, I said, I can make it, I can make one out of foam. So I did that for all you guys out there. I have a pattern for that and a step-by-step -step video on how to make it. So for all you alien there's, fans, there's also a special edition nerf alien pulse, right? Oh, that don't just, even just released. Don't even get me started. It's already been purchased. <laughs> oh, did you? You already bought it. Look at you. I'm a, do you I found out about it today. <laughs> I'm a giant 12-year-old, dude. It's like, I was like, ah! <laughs> All my fans were like, hey, have you seen this? I'm like, what? My mind. And you, you mentioned that because I think somebody posted it on your Facebook group actually today. It was me. I did that. Uh, I posted oh, that was you that posted it today. Oh, that's hilarious. It's even And better. what's so funny about that was that I nudged one of my friends and said, you know why it's happening? This movie's like, how, how old is that film now? And they're finally making it? That's because 20th Century Fox just got bought up by Disney. Mm -hmm. So Disney owns the Alien franchise. So wait for it, guys. It's going to be an Alien movie, TV show, whatever. It's going to be coming up on, on Disney+, Plus. I guarantee it. So. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all. <laughs> wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, and it's funny you mentioned the whole... You know, the, losing the fun out of building when everything is is always so pressing and it always has to be so perfect. And right. I get a lot of people that ask me, like, why, like, why don't you do this for a living? And and that's exactly why. It's exactly it, why I don't do it for a living because I don't want this to become a job. Right? Well, I mean, I, yeah, and the thing is, I always tell people it's a young man's sport. Don't get me wrong; it's I loved it in my twenties. I loved it in my twenties and my thirties. And 40s was kind of like, eh, I like to take a break occasionally. Like, it's fun, but can I get a break, a break? And by the time my 40s, I reached into the 50s, I was like, oh, this is, I'm I'm too old for this, guys. Like, it's like mm -hmm. humping it and busting your butt. And the producers you're working for are 25 and 30. All you want to do is punch them in the face, you know, when they're screaming <laughs> at you. Yeah. And you're like, when you're in your 50s, you're like, shut up, kid. Don't talk to me like that. So, <laughs> Hey, uh, uh, Ted, I want to talk about some of your builds. Okay. Um, I mean, you've done so many different things over the years. What's been your favorite build to date? Uh, it's always funny when it comes to cosplay. I always tell people it's always the last thing you made. Like, 
it's always on to the next project. Like the last thing I made, so cool. Um, it's funny. I haven't done anything. Well, I'm, I know I'm gearing up to be um, doing a um, cosplay collaboration with one of my friends. Um, uh, she wants to be a, a, a battle sister from uh, uh, the Warhammer universe. And I've right. seen those costumes. I think they're so cool. And I'd love to make one of those. Um, uh, my, hmm. You know, I made two of my favorites right now. Is I made this character, the Red Demon, like Mongo. You guys can see, I think it's on my website. But I think one of my passion projects, which again, I when the movie came out, it was early, early 2000, like, was Vampire Hunter D, Bloodlust, mm -hmm. the anime. And I loved that movie. I was like, oh, it was so amazing. I thought, man, I want to make that costume. But I was working in the industry, so my brain was thinking, I, I got to sculpt it. And I got to vacuum form. I got to vacuum. I'm going to sculpt this chess piece and I make a buck and then vacuum. And of course, you can do this, but it's like thousands of dollars. Like it's like, so you gotta do this. I'm gonna get a leather worker to build a hat, and then so I'm almost like decades later, I joined this thing called Twitch. You know, the Twitch stream. I started doing. It. I thought I should build something on Twitch, and I saw a lightning bolt. I'm like, wait a minute, I can finally do Vampire Hunter D. So I basically started from scratch and just built Vampire Hunter D, and that was one of those things where I, I kind of like here I go. And just like, you had to go back and get images. You know, I love the movie. I had to go back and do research and now power the internet. You just Google and search and get really good images. And the thing that saved me on that bill, cause D's all black. So mm -hmm. in the show it's black on black and you can't see anything. There is, um, there was an art book of vampire hunter D the art book and like a knucklehead. I should have bought it, but now it's like, it's like a hundred bucks or something more. I didn't have the money to buy it, but there was Google images of his of the, of the sketch of his suit but it was all done like an like a drawing so you could see the separation you could see all the parts mm. of the suit like oh i could see the forearm separately i could see the bicep separately right. i could see where the chest and the rib cage were separate because at first i made it as one piece and i ended up going back and changed it but like i could see it like oh and then that's so that's even though i built a lot of stuff and i'm happy with them i think d is still one of my my faves because every time i, I pull I always think I'm going to like sell it. I have costumes. I always want to make more room for other things. So I'm going to sell mm -hmm. it. And I was telling one of my friends, I think about selling D and then I went to a condom war. And I went, no, I'm not going to sell it. Yeah. Cause that, this was a costume for you. Yeah. So. Cause I mean, and, I know you make a lot of costumes for other people. And, and yeah. Uh, specifically the one that comes to my mind is it has to be Alicia's predator. Oh, thank you. That I... Alicia. <laughs> everybody. You're so funny. That's a great story because I wanted to do a female predator. I've always loved like the predator. And I've seen people, I've seen tons, again, don't be wrong, tons of predators. There's tons of predators. People are like, hey, you should do a predator costume. I'm like, yeah, everybody's done it, guys. Like, and also I've seen people do it really, really well. Like, so it's kind of a thing, like, why do something that I've seen people do better? And and I have to be really into it. And I'm, I'm like, eh, I'm not that into it. But I said, a female predator would be cool because I don't see a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And so that was my plan. But I'm like, who would I get? And so I thought, you know, I'd like to get that Alicia Marie person. I think she's super cool. I think she looks great. And so I'm at, I'm at San Diego Comic-Con, and she's dressed up as Storm. And she's got the, the wig on, the contacts. I'm like, hi. And she's like, hi, I'm Alicia. And, like, I could tell she could barely see. There's a ton of people around her. I couldn't get a word in edgewise. I'm like, ah, dang it. When's, it, when's this opportunity to meet her ever again? Like that blew that deal. Like this is no way I could get to talk. I couldn't pull her aside to talk to her about. It. So sure enough, that following year, I get a booth at uh, Long Beach Comic Con, and I show up at my booth, and the booth next to me is Alicia Marie. I'm like ah, so we became friends. We started talking. I said, hey, look, I got this idea for female predator, and she goes, oh, you mean Mashiko Noguchi? I'm like, who? So immediately I go home, Google search find the whole dark horse history. Mm -hmm. I find the images and then sideshow collectibles reaches, released a statuette of her in her armor. I went, all right, done. That's it. So of course, and the sideshow of Mexico is amazing. It's, it's yeah, it was pretty cool. And I, what I did was I showed Alicia Marie, she's such a nut. She found the images of it first before I did and said, can you do this? And I was like, Oh my God, that's awesome. So we, She's like, I'm, I might want to buy it. But I think by the time we saw it, it was already like out of production. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's already ungodly expensive. But I, just, of course, got on 
with the sideshow website and they have beautiful photographs of it all around. And when I looked at it, there's things I liked it, but there's things I changed on. I'm like, oh, you know, mm -hmm. I want to have fun making it. So I embellished on it a little bit, but uh, she had such a blast. We went to San Diego Comic Con, I think it was 2016 or 18. Right? Oh my God. I think it's, I think it was 2019. I'm sorry. 2019, I think, was when we went. And uh, we walked around and just watching people react from her. And she's all you know into it. And it was a blast. And that was fun. That was a, a blast to do. And it was, she really embodied it. And that was hers. And so, like, again, I built it. We did it. It's gone. The one thing I will do again is I don't have in my collection is the helmet. So I might remake the the, the Mashika Noguchi helmet pattern. Remake so that. She she has the costume now. Oh yeah, that's hers. Like, yeah. what am I gonna do with it? Well, yeah, it's not like <laughs> I, I can wear it. I, not like I, I yeah. made everything off of her. It fits her like yeah. a glove. Uh, we, actually, um, the Mashiko oh, toy is what I based my daughter's Xenomorph shield off of. Wait a minute, you have a pre uh, I, see a, I see a predator in the background. Oh yeah, right there. Yeah. See uh, why make it? You guys are you've already done it. <laughs> hey, what are you gonna do? Uh, hey, what's uh, what's the one big build you never actually got around to making? That one uh, build that for years you've been saying, "Hey, I one day want to make that one thing," but for uh, one reason or another, has never worked out. Uh, it's been the still suit from the nineteen eighties Dune movie. Mm. Um, I, I always liked, I always loved them, and I finally got nice photo references. I kind of cut the pieces off one time. But in, I was I started when I was really young. Like this is when I was living back in St. Louis with my parents, and I wanted to build one. I had all the pieces, and just like I just didn't have the glue, I didn't have the rubber leak, the way they did it. And I finally, I work in the industry, and became friends with the guys who actually built the suits. And they were oh really? Yeah, and they told me how uh, those suits weren't molded or casted; each one was handmade. So when you handmade watch that, how? Look, like I'm looking at one now. Like, are they not latex? They're, yeah, but they're foam fabricated. They're literally oh, really? layers of pieces of foam. They got a bodysuit on a mannequin. And these guys glued and layered and made patterns. And they just manufactured them like wow. all you cosplay kids do. And they did it. And they would get a spray gun with a rubber. And they would spray with black rubber and peel them off the suits. And they made a whole bunch of generic ones. And then oh. they made uh, each actor had a body cast done. And they made suits for each person, but they weren't molded or sculpted. They're all fabricated, each one by hand. So when you watch that movie, they're, and you see the hunt, these guys running around with those suits on, they're all handmade. Each one of them's handmade. Oh, what do you think of the suits from the new movie? Like, actually, I've pulled up a still uh, of the new movie now. I wish I I'll, I'll be it. honest. I think I'm really excited because I, I knew when you're making something, it, it's as a director, definitely making something that this, and I think I love, I love the 80s Dune. And it was, it was a weird find. Like people loved it, people hate it, but it, it does became a cult classic. And I was one of those guys that that movie introduced me to Dune. I knew nothing about Dune, and went to see the Kyle McLaughlin movie. I was like, I love this crazy world and the mm -hmm. spice. And so that opened the door to my head. My friends who were books, who were fans of the book, were like, "Dude, if you like that," and they sat down and told me all the lore behind the worlds. And like, oh my god, and I realized, yeah, they they have to remake this movie someday because. To get that much information, and and I'm happy to say, I know the costumers. Um, they they were neighbors of mine for years, and they finally moved away. But they got the gig of doing the costumes for Dune. It was, uh, mm. Rob, Robert Morgan, and he uh, was able to come in and do this, all the still suits and the the Sardaukar and all the Trades and the Harkonnens, and he was able to get his team of guys and put his stuff together. And he said that what was cool about it was the director was like, he had to convince the studio, like, I got to do this in two films. Like, to do this story, this book, right, it's got to be two movies. So, Wait a second. There, so there's actually going to be two. I thought there was just the one film. There is. They split it up into two parts? Uh, they're, the movie, I can't, too much for spoilers, but you'll get enough of the film to be satisfied. I had friends, uh, there's screens, and people saw it, loved it, because there's so much information and it, to make a solid movie and just have this book. So they're like, that's the, they broke it up into, so here's the thing. The success of this film is going, is going to warrant a sequel and then they'll gear up mm. and go right. You know, like when they did matrix, you know, they, they kind of shut them back to back and they, they knew going in, 
like when they did Matrix two and three, they already knew like so was get ready scheduled to shoot the two films back to back. But with the pandemic, they couldn't really do that on this. Right. And the studio studio was like, eh, let's just kind of like put a footnote on everything, see how well this film does, and if so, it'll green light the second mm. one right away. So. Well, I'm really excited for this movie because I am a huge fan of the original. And when I saw the trailer, the first oh, trailer, right? I got I, my mind exploded. Yeah, I, got, <laughs> I couldn't I believe what I was bump. seeing. Yeah, I, got I couldn't bump. believe what I, I was seeing. And there's shots like when you see shots, I'm like I know what that's from. I know I know what scene it's from. Like there's this clips and things are showing, which I already got it. And um, uh, the young man who's playing Paul, I think, is fantastic because. I knew from friends who loved the books and stuff that Paul is very young and like he gets, yeah, he wasn't as young in the movie as he was in the books uh, or in the book, I should say. Uh, right. He was much younger in the book uh, than in the movie. Well, the, the, right. the, the original movie. Yes. Right. And so, and this, and the one thing I, I was, my friends are telling me about this, like, and I think that's so great. They finally got this actor who's much older, but he looks even younger. I'm sure he plays younger. Mm. I think he's like supposed to be like 18 or 19 or something like that. And, it's basically his journey of, into manhood and going through this whole change and becoming, you know, yeah, for the, for the be the, the more deep, you know, the great leader of the, of the Fremen. So I'm excited. So. Yeah, it should be pretty good. Um, what are you working on now? Is there anything um, specific that you're working on that maybe we yes, can spoil I mean, a little? Yes, I can. Um, I, I have, technically retired from Hollywood. I don't really do much movie work anymore. Mm -hmm. I only, I, I made a pact with myself that I only work on the stuff I want to work on. It's not, it's not that I don't. And I have two friends that are filmmakers and they kind of had projects. And so my friend is doing a sci-fi movie and he kind of came to me and went, Hey Ted. And I said, you know some, okay. So I am doing oh, blasters. Uh, yeah. You saw like, like guns, I, but they're on a budget. So I went out and had fun buying a bunch of inexpensive water guns and modify them for blasters for his, his sci-fi show. And I always tell people like Nerf is great, but Nerf's two things, they're expensive. Mm -hmm. And not only that, they're kind of recognizable. Like mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a toy head. So I don't care what movie you're watching. If you're using Nerf, I'll spot it. Like that's a Nerf. Like, and that, and it's not that it, a disapproving do that. I think I kind of like it when people do that. But for me personally, I was like, I want to make these guns, but I want to, so I started looking and I, I ended up going to the 99 cent store in my neighborhood. And there's a couple of, I'm like, these look, and the, the guns look, you could tell, even though they're bright, you know, white and blue and yellow. I was looking at them going, you can see the shape. Like these are super cool. So I bought them. The tricky thing is that plastic that they're made out of, it's so slick that you have mm -hmm. to like take scotch bright and you got to sand it and you got to put like adhesion promoter on it and primer. Yeah. And, and I'm telling the guy, I, when I deliver the guns to him, I say, these guns will be cool and they'll last people handling them and stuff is going to be fine, but don't drop them. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't put them in a box with each other. And it's like, and scrape those, you know, scrape against each other and take things like they'll be durable, but make sure you wrap a rag when you're not shooting. <laughs> like make, you know, they'll get the mileage. I'm just got to take good care of them. And this is uh, an independent production you're working on. Yeah. There's a bunch of things I'm, I'm helping them on, but I'm kind of not like it's an NDA thing, but I'm I, I, I haven't posted anything yet, but I'm going to make some, some control panels and things. So I might kind of keep it low key until I start building. And when I do that, I'll start documenting and photographing and making some videos on it. Mm -hmm. um, you kind of alluded to earlier about all the different things that you're doing now. Uh, you know, you, <coughs> I mean, you're a YouTuber now you're a Twitch streamer. Uh, like I was saying earlier, you sell templates on your website. Yes, you I do. Guys. Molds, silicone molds that are That's so Michael's cool. and yes, all sorts of stuff. That was crazy. I uh, it's a big shot to Michael's craft stores came to me. They're like, "Hey, we're doing this cosplay thing," and we like we kept searching. Here's the here's the crazy thing, is when they reached out to me, they said we kept searching cosplay and and you kept coming up. I'm like, that is amazing because there's so many other people I personally think are good makers out there that cosplay. I think people even been on there longer than me and Yaya Han and Bill Duran and uh, people I really look up to. And, and Camille and stuff, but they said I kept coming up and they reached out to me and I wrote them back and they were like thrilled. And it was this funny conversation. They originally were going to, uh, we we're originally going to carry um, uh, a line of e uh, evil Ted patterns, like, but mm -hmm. patterns I would make strictly for Michael's only. Like it was kind of weird. Cause I was like, I sell patterns on my website, 
but they wanted something different for their stores. I was like, okay. So we, and then uh, I met these guys in Texas having lunch one day and I was just kind of spitballing. I said, you know what I want to do down the road is have my own line of molds. Cause I said, as a cosplayer, I like making molds and castings. I said, but it's, everything is so, it's like, it's so hard to find anything decent. Like it's either cake decorations or Legos or chocolate squares. Like mm -hmm. there's not a lot of variety. I'd love to do these line of molds. And they kind of put that in the back of their head. And then they went to talk to their business, the guy, the higher up, higher upset Michael. They're like, no, we want, the mold idea sounds cool. Let's do that instead. I'm like, oh crap. So they came back to me like, I'm like, oh, so I had to frantically get those designs going. So, so, so you made, you made the designs that, were molded yes i well i kind of i uh, i had a friend to help me uh render them but i had i just sketched on because i'm not a, i'm not a, i'm not a um a 3d guy so mm -hmm. i was like no no no. So i would just sketch or draw or describe something and they'd make it and there's there's a couple like all the tech stuff was all me i knew exactly yeah. what i wanted for the tech stuff like oh i want this i want the bevels this that yeah all this the cyber tech stuff i really i knew what i wanted in my head and the filigree and all that stuff was fun but Oh, is it is it three sets of molds or is it, is it four? Uh, it, I can't remember now. I think there's a total of um, nine, eight molds. Oh, eight? I think so. Well, then I got to say, then the Michaels in in my area here doesn't definitely is not carrying all eight. Oh, how uh, I dare, think they're how carrying dare. three or four. Uh, oh, yeah, how no. dare they? Exactly. Oh, they they should. I have I all said of them. good day, sir. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. Be, if you guys want to know and see what all eight of them are, you go to the website, go to Mac Michael's, uh, go to the website and they have them all listed there. And, uh, yeah, there's, uh, I think, and they, it was so funny. They wanted 10 and, um, do I, or is it nine? Oh my God. I don't even remember. Isn't that sad? <laughs> <laughs> see what happens to you people when you get old, forget stuff. Yeah. Old age is, is, you know, Hey, listen, everybody's get everybody's getting older. Nobody's getting younger. It's a fact right. of life. You're not um, do anything about it, but uh, so so you're doing all these things. You're doing molds. You're doing Twitch. Like I said, you're doing YouTube. Are you, what are you now? I mean, do you consider yourself a YouTuber? Or do you, are, you, um, are you a Twitch? You know streamer? what's so funny? No, we're are not. You... Ready for this? I, I know exactly what I am. I am a maker. Um, there's two people. There's two types of people in this world. Are you guys ready for this? There's the makers and there's the non-makers. Now, a maker understands the concept of making something from nothing. Uh, the non-maker says, hey, I want a costume. And you go, okay. Uh, it'll be like, you know, let's say um, $3,000 or $4,000. And they'll be like, what? That's outrageous. And like, how do you, like, I'm making this from nothing. This is designing, R&Ding, and a time out of my life. It's like, and people that don't make stuff really can't comprehend. And I always tell them, it's like, the best way I always explain to people is like people like I, I toured with Rob Zombie for a while. It was a funny story. I was um, one of the Rob Zombie tour and it was the rock is dead tour. And I got the Rob, one of these crazy things on a set. I built this giant robot and had crazy costumes. And so I fabricated everything on a foam. And these guys uh, were like, Hey Ted, I want you to make, make me some spikes and shins and make me some, a couple of guys from the band were like, wanted some costume pieces. And we had some downtime. I'm like, okay, right, well, let me let put a bunch together and I'll get back to you. And they're like, they both jumped. I'm like, dude, that's like, that's almost like $2,000. I'm like, yeah, they oh, go. Yeah. And they're like, well, I could just go to Target and buy it. Uh, shin guards, like bingo. You know what? Well, then go to Target and buy it. Yeah. I, yeah. I said, because you know why it's affordable at Target? Because Target sells something that's manufactured hundreds and thousands of them. So when they make the mold and the prototype, that's what costs thousands of dollars. And then once they get it and they manufacture, they start pumping out a thousand or a hundred thousand. The price from $2,000 gets down to 25 bucks. So mm -hmm. when you mass produce them, so when you make something that's a one of a kind or a one-off or something that somebody draws on a piece of paper and wants you to build, that's a one-off. And by you and I sacrificing our time is what makes it expensive. So the people out there, as I always said, there's makers, and there's non-makers. <laughs> so, um, you know, how has going from, you know, working on movies and like you're saying, not getting any real recognition because nobody really knows that you're the one that made these things mm -hmm. to being a YouTuber and a Twitch streamer and, and, and gaining, you know, an online following within the cosplay community and the prop making community. How has that changed 
Ted, whether it, it, it be personally or professionally? It, it makes it makes me humble because I think that every time people meet me and they like they might be like big fan out or something a little bit, I always tell them like I started just like you did. It's like I am where you are now. It's like, and the reason I started my YouTube channels, I saw a movie when I was 14 years old called Star Wars. My mind was blown. I was a kid in Missouri. I saw this amazing film. I could not get enough of it. So I'm like, oh, uh, uh, I, I want I want a blaster. I want a stormtrooper costume. I want Darth Vader. Like there was, and right for this, there was nothing, nothing, mm -hmm. no YouTube, no books. Did, you know, like those stormtroopers or vacuum form, like vacuum form. What is this alien technology you speak of? Like, and so I was so desperate and there was no outlet to learn. And so I was a sponge. So everything was poster board, duct tape. Um, I made a, a, I made a Princess Leia's Rebel Blockade Runner on a poster board. I think my parents were like, were flipping out. Like, and it was the Ralph, you know, that Ralph McCoy sketchbook. And had that beautiful drawing of the Rebel Blockade Runner. And I, it's like, that's so cool. So I, that was my reference. So I built it because it was a nice three-dimensional drawing. I had enough to see it could build it. So my parents are like shaking their heads like, what are we going to do with this kid? Like, um, but so what happened was a I lot realized, of great designs in those books. Fantastic. But what happened was as I got older and I was seeing stuff like Bill Duran and, and Punish, you know, Bill doing that. So I thought, you know, I wanted like, I, and at the time, like people – the cosplay community, this is guys like eight, nine, almost 10 years ago now. People are booing cosplay at the early stages of cosplay. Everybody was making foam armor, but they were fiberglass. They were like doing the Pepecura thing. They would do Pepecura mm -hmm. and make a helmet and then bondo it and sand it. But everybody was doing foam armor, but the making or buying helmets and sticking things on them or doing the Pepecura thing and making a helmet. I kept thinking, well, guys, you, you guys are doing so hard working on the body, make, make the helmet out of foam. So I, I thought that should be too hard. at first. It's it is. It, getting into a headpiece and a helmet at first and with, with foam. Uh, exactly. And so that was my video breakthrough as I said, I'm going to make a video on how to make a foam helmet. So I did it and it exploded. Oh, that was the Viking helmet, wasn't it? No, it was just, uh, it was my uh, tech, my high tech helmet thing. I was like, it was the first one I did. Uh, it was my very first video on how to make a foam helmet. And it's so funny. I, I can't watch my old videos. They make me cringe. The, 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 <laughs> Quality's horrible. The audio's bad. Like I'm nervous. I'm always like smacking my lips together, making weird sounds. And I think it's funny because, but Bill Duran told me one thing. He said, "Ted, true, but the content's good. It's like you can get away with a lot of stuff if the content's good. People That's will right. forgive. They'll forgive bad audio and not the greatest camera. And so, but." I learned everything I do from that point on is to progress and get better as I go on and make better videos and stuff like that. But that was the first one I did. And so when I made that video, uh, it blew up and I thought, oh, and so I was nervous because I thought I was giving too much information and all the fans were like, no, no, no. We love that you cover every step. So I started doing each video. I just walk by step by step what I'm doing. And I realized that I am now reaching out to those 14 year old kids that were like me when they see now when they see a video game or they see something on Mandalorian or shows anything they, they're like oh and they're like super young and they see it now there's a place you can go to you can build your own stuff you can it's I know it seems intimidating but my well, I'm telling you right here I, right, I've learned all of this from you and Bill oh and and you know so... I tell you guys right this but I didn't build that I I am only the guy who provided a map it's you oh, that took sure. that journey. I know, but well, it's definitely. you took that journey. Yeah, but it's that passion because you know what? You wanted that costume so bad that you watched the videos and you were patient and you took the glue and uh, mm -hmm. and and you're like, wait a minute, oh wait, I have to let the glue dry a little bit longer and make the stick better and like there's these little struggles that people push. Uh, at first, contact cement can be a tricky, tricky glue to I, use at first. And, and, I get and, all, and the different I, brands, the different brands don't dry the same way. That's another right. thing too. You have to find that one brand that works for you because exactly. barge doesn't work for everybody. Well, first of all, you can't get barge here in Canada or not. The but this, and I, I just stopped using it too. I now I just use I use DAP. I use DAP, and the reason I use DAP is that I start off because I was an industry professional, so I would get barge delivered to me all the time. I didn't pay for it. Mm -hmm. I worked at a prop house, and when I got out and started doing YouTube videos, I realized really quickly, like, oh, this is hard to get. It's very expensive, and it's super expensive. And after all, I'm like going. Why, when I can go to Home Depot and buy DAP contact cement, it works just as good. 
So mm-hmm. I changed gears and kind of went back and reached out. And actually, I'm and DAP sponsors me, so we we talk at the time. I oh, well, there you go. Down. Oh, very cool. I didn't I didn't realize that. I, uh, I we don't we don't get the DAP contact submit up here in Canada. At least I don't. But yeah, so. you guys you have LePage uh, or LePage. We have LePage. Yeah. Yeah. And frankly, a- you know what? I love the LePage. It dries yeah. fast. Right. That's exactly yeah. very Again, fast drying, and it's it's amazing. I love LePage. Excellent. Yeah. Um, where about are you located uh, area wise oh, within the U.S.? I live in Los Angeles, California. I, oh, so I live, you are in L.A. Okay. I'm in L.A. I, li- I live downtown in this in the uh, industrial area of Los Angeles. Uh, what's the uh, the state of uh, cosplay and cons and all that stuff over there right now? I mean, I we're, hate bringing we're, up everything that's going on, but you know. Yeah, but no, it's gonna be. We're we um we're slowly opening up. I just heard recently through one of my friends who works in the nursing field that I think PAX, uh, Emerald City Comic-Con and mm-hmm. uh, San Diego Comic-Con are going to start opening back up. But you have to have a proof of vaccine if you had a shot. Well, that's okay. And I thought, amen, brother. I'm so happy to hear that. So yeah. they're they're planning on opening. They're just like, we're going to do it, but you guys got to get gotta get vaccinated. So there you go. Now, uh, but, but um, San Diego Comic-Con specifically – has passed, right? I mean, it would be for next year at this point, right? I think so, yeah. But there, there, there's stuff opening up. Uh, matter of fact, uh, speaking of cons, I am flying out <laughs> this weekend to Planet Comic Con in Kansas City. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And uh, time. yeah, it's my right. This it's my first time in a what's it a year and a half since the 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 plague, you know. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. You ever come up here, uh, Canada-wise? Uh, I have. Yeah. I've, I've been I've been to Canada twice. I went out for um, Northern Fan another fan uh, Northern FanCon. I was out there. Northern FanCon. FanCon, yeah, that was out there, uh, and that was out for another con. Another con. Oh my god, it was called Comic Con Canada or something like that. And unfortunately, the year I went was great, but uh, they weren't able to keep that con going. I think it kind of fell to the wayside, but that was, we still have Comic-Con, but it's, it's definitely not, I mean, it's not like San Diego Comic-Con to be honest. Well, God, I mean, there's, yeah, that I tell you what, I have a love hate relationship with San Diego Comic-Con. It's like in the early days, it was fun. Now it's a madhouse. And if mm. you go, you have to be really prepared to, um, cause Hollywood discovered Comic-Con. So once Hollywood discovered it, it's like now they dump so much into it. That everybody mm-hmm. wants to come and see it, and what they started doing now, which is smart, if you live in San Diego, um, it's a treat because the convention center is already booked up. So uh, Hollywood people come and rent all the lots and parking lots around the convention center and put their setups in um, walkthroughs and oh. escape. Like they did, like an expanse escape room based on the TV show Expanse. Oh. Like they had outside the of the convention center. Yeah. Yeah, they're all built, and they just they rent out property in front of restaurants oh, and neat. buildings. And so, if you guys go there and you can't get into Comic Con, into the convention center, don't worry. There's so, so a much bunch stuff, of stuff going on. So much stuff's happening outside it, and there's no way you can see everything in a weekend. It's crazy. It's no, insane. and let's be honest, Comic Con tickets are I mean, oh. so hard to get now. I yeah. mean, you gotta yeah. have it, connections to get San Diego Comic Con tickets. Yeah, let's be honest. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we uh, the big one here is Fan Expo. That's the yeah. big con up here in Toronto. Was Fan Expo every year? I would love to come. Uh, you guys, uh, all you guys, you're watching this. You guys want me to come to Canada? Trust me. All you have to do is write to fan, uh, what's 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 convention? Fan Expo. Uh, fan Expo. Yeah. Fan Expo. Write to Fan Expo and say we'd love to have you, old Ted. Bring him out. I would love to come. Love to. It'd be awesome. Love meeting people. It's awesome. Cosplayers, especially. Yeah, we would definitely love to see you there. That's for sure. Um, hey, listen, I mean, I've kept you on here for uh, almost an hour now, and, and I did have a couple extra questions, but listen, yeah, let's before get let's get we get to the end, um, for the people that are trying to get or that want to get into cosplaying or very specifically phone smithing, right. what's the top three pieces of advice you tend to give people or, or, or you would like to give to people as okay, far as – yeah. I got it. Exactly. Uh, it's not going to be perfect the first time. Be mm-hmm. prepared to fail. Failing is learning. Um, they, they, they pound that word in your head and school. That's a bad thing. 
but failing is all part of stepping forward. I fail. We still fail. I'm still learning. We never stop learning. But when you build something, it's that intimidation like, oh, I want to be perfect. Let that go. Just mm -hmm. ex enjoy the experience and learning. I think I, when I go to conventions, um, they always, I always do a panel. The one thing I do is build a foam helmet. Now, what's interesting is that I got videos on that. People see you can buy patterns. But I think what's funny about it is when I do it in front of somebody, I can build that helmet in roughly 45 minutes. And I talk to the audience and you take a flat piece of foam. They all see it in front of them as a flat piece. I cut it, heat it up, glue it, bend it, bam, and there's a helmet. And I know it sounds crazy, but it is that simple. And that once you get over that intimidation and you build that first thing, it's like the weight lifts up. You're like, oh, wait, a minute. I get this. And the best thing is that when you build a costume, don't think about the whole costume. Think about one part at a time. Start with a helmet, a bracer, a shoulder, but do focus on one part at the time. And then next thing you know, when you're almost done with your costume, I guarantee you'll go back to the first thing you built and realize, oh, I can do that better now. And you'll just mm -hmm. remake it. So that's my advice. My my, It's funny you say that. My first prop, my first ever piece of costume was my Revan helmet. Now, this is not it. Because, like you say, I screwed it up the first time. It was horrible. And then three iterations in, Look at that. you know, I had my helmet, right? And it's, you know, obviously all EVA. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, you're right. It's never going to be perfect. And you're never going to learn unless you screw it up. Right. And you learn where you went wrong to fix and, it for the next time. Right. And the thing is, it's just, it, it has to be your hands that do it because when somebody shows you and you watch them, it's one thing. But it's that's why when I do these videos, I really work on making sure that I do step by step so that you guys, when you watch a video, just pause. Like I do this and you pause and you do what I do and then go more. And then I try to explain some of the nuances to it. But I think as you go, you'll get better at it. It's just, yeah. But that is my advice. Definitely don't be afraid. Dive in. Yeah, like I said earlier, I've watched countless hours of you <laughs> building. Uh, I mean, when I get into a project and I and there's a specific piece that I want to build and I find an Evil Ted video that has a similar piece to what I want to build, I'll watch that video 10 times until I know it by heart before I even start touching a piece of home. So, you know, I got to thank you. Oh, and thank you enough for, for, for teaching me how to work foam because if it wasn't for you, none of this would be possible. I mean, no. it's as simple as that. Well, thank you. All hey, right. Ted, listen, um, before I let you go, uh, yes, sir. anything that you want to pitch, any uh, your websites, social medias, your maybe even your Facebook? Uh, That's a, yeah, thank you. I mean, if I get uh, guys, go to my website, eviltedsmith.com. <laughs> Oh, that, and that's my dog, Beam. Um, <laughs> eviltestament.com, go to my website. Uh, get on my mailing list. Uh, my mailing list is great because I tell you guys what I'm going to be doing that week for Twitch, what com I'm going to be heading to, what's new on videos, uh, what's going on in the cosplay world. Definitely get on my mailing list. Um, while you're at it, go to my YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe. Tell your friends. Leave comments below. And if you guys build something and you're in inspired by what I do and watch my videos and you build a costume, be sure to send, uh, submit to my Fan Photo Friday. I do a thing on my website where if you're a fan, if I pick you and put you up on Friday, I'll send you a button, a postcard, a sticker. I do that. And I start a Facebook group called Evil Ted's Foam Fanatics. And uh, what I love about that group is that uh, people send me uh, letters and ask me questions and whatnot, but I only do my fan mail like once a week to get through the fan mail. And sometimes you're building something for a con, you need a, an answer to your question. If you post an Evil Ted's Foam Fanatics, it's international, so you'll get a response within like a matter of minutes. And even cooler is that everybody in there are just all part of the community. They're super friendly, um, no toxic stuff at all. Everybody's just there to make and share techniques. And so that's a great group to join too. I can attest to that. I've been part of the Evil Ted Foam Fanatics on Facebook for many years now. And let me tell you something. There's a ton of great makers on there. Oh, my God. Ridiculous. Ted answers people all the time, um, comments on people's posts. Uh, I, you know, I mean, there's a, a ton of other, uh, you know, Bill, I see Bill on there once in a while. Uh, I think he's chin beard. That's him. Beard. Yes, he is. Um, <laughs> you know, I've seen, uh, uh, Stephen Smith on your, is on your, uh, oh, yeah. Stephen he's King there. Smith is on your, uh, you know, a ton of big name, great makers. 
there to give advice. You know, you have any issues, you post it, or you just want to show off what you made. I that's mean, right. that's what I do. I love showing off what I made on the group and, and seeing people's reactions. So, again, Ted, hey, listen, thank you very much again. You know, really appreciate you taking the time to uh, chat with me. I know we had a little bit of hard time, you know, getting together between me going on vacation <laughs> that was, and, uh, that, and all that stuff. And then no, yesterday and, you know, <laughs> uh, but I really, really appreciate you, you know, taking the time to uh, to do this with uh, with me. Everybody, thanks for sticking to the end. Uh, hopefully everybody's yeah. stuck to the end. So thank you very much. Make sure you click subscribe. You yes, know, please, uh, we, we want to grow the channel, you know, Cosplay Alliance. We absolutely want to grow this as, as big as possible. Leave a comment below. If you have any questions, leave the questions below. I'm sure, Ted, I'll let you know, by the way, when this goes live. So, thank, you know, if you anybody has questions for Ted, leave them below. I'm sure Ted will, uh, you know, maybe take some time a little bit when the uh, video first comes out to answer some people's questions and comments. But Fantastic. thank you very much again, Ted, and everybody. We'll catch you next time. Right here the Evil Ted channel. What's up, everybody? If you didn't already know, I've got a brand new YouTube channel called The Geeks and Company. That's right, Geeks and Co. If you haven't already subscribed, make sure you go over and subscribe. It's going to be an exclusive spot to see our brand new video podcast, The Geeks of the Roundtable, as well as reviews, unboxing, reactions, you name it. Anything and everything geek culture related will be featured. Make sure you go follow the link below. Subscribe to the channel. We'll see you there.